Tamagamoy. Hope you're feeling good, boy, Colin. Brian, welcome in. Thursday Night Football, biggest game of the season so far, even though it's only week two. Michael Mokia, Colin Cronin, Brian O'Leary, Mark Cockerell is lost somewhere. He might appear in the next few minutes. Can um, we all hope and pray for our audio files? Colin, uh, big night ahead tonight. Yeah, big, big night ahead and obviously the opportunity for one of these teams to take a bit of a, a stranglehold of the division given the debacle that was the end of the game for the Broncos the, the other night. So whoever wins this has the opportunity to go to, to 2-0 and, and um, to, you know, I, I saw uh, some stats uh, earlier uh, today in terms of teams that uh, go to 2-0, and make the, the playoffs uh, almost 65% of the time, win the division 40% of the time, and have uh, an 8% chance of going to the Super Bowl. So real opportunity for these two teams tonight to lay a marker down. Brian, there was more numbers there than I ever heard on the episode of Countdown, so I feel uh, feel refreshed, feel ready to go. You're looking quite dapper. Are you heading out to watch the match or something, or what, what's the plan? Or... <laughs> no, I just trying to make a bit of an effort for you, Michael. And Michael we're going to have to take some time time aside because you're uh, as a man who went to an Irish primary school, your your introduction on Irish language was, was a bit off-putting there. I'm well, there's a, really there's a diff- different discussion for that reason on, on different podcasts, <laughs> and we'll probably not get into that, but uh, welcome. Falsha. Great game to- Great game ahead tonight, like yeah, for the NFL, we touched on it last week in terms of how they put these games together and to have this game so early in the season. If the Chargers are to win tonight and they, and they get out our head with a, with a win, 2-0 and 2-0 and with two divisional wins, it's quite a crucial game, albeit very early in the season. Shout out to everyone watching this on social media. Thanks for all your comments. We'll read them out towards the end as well. Uh, lots of comments already, so we will read them out ASAP. Um, talking about comments, talking about opinions. Uh, good to have Mark Cockrell back on the show. Mark, you're looking very dapper tonight. Have you been working? Uh, I have, Michael, but I always like to make the effort for you guys, you know, so that's that's why. And you know, I've suited and booted. Thanks for change, doesn't it? Absolutely. Uh, we've got a few guests coming up tonight, Mark. Uh, just before we even talk to our first guest, what's your initial thoughts on tonight? It's obviously... Uh, it's it's a huge game in regards to the AFC West as well, isn't it? It's and and the AFC in general. Yeah, um, I can't remember what comedian used to say. It's a cracker. It's a cracker. It's a cracker of a game. I can't wait for it. It's got, as you rightly say, Michael, massive implications for the AFC West race, but generally for the playoffs uh, overall. I was uh, I was going through a little mental exercise this morning and kind of go, how would I rank the quarterbacks just in the AFC? because it's actually a really tricky uh, aspect to do. And you look in the AFC West and probably Mahomes and Herbert are up there at one and two or maybe one and three or two and three in most people's rankings. So just having this matchup tonight uh, between two quarterbacks of that caliber, two great teams, Chargers, as Colm said in weeks before, will they ultimately charge out at some point? And the Chiefs looked amazing after such a slow start uh, this week, after such a slow start last week, uh, last year. 
even. So it's just got all the makings of an absolute diamond of a game. Underneath the floodlights, as Bootlegger used to say. Uh, we're delighted to welcome in our first guest tonight. Uh, guy's been on our broadcast numerous times, especially in the last season. Uh, NFL Fox Sports rule analyst, former NFL VP of officiating, Dean Blandino. Dean, I think it's only hitting me now that the uh, that the season is truly back when we have you on this broadcast. Uh, a very, very warm welcome. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well, and uh, it's great to be back, and the season has definitely begun because people are already complaining about the officiating, so we are underway. Dean, um, I was uh, speaking to somebody about you last week. Maybe your ears were were burning, but uh, (laughs) Chuck Bresnahan um, visited Dublin uh, with Rod Woodson. They were running a a coaching clinic here, and um, in terms, I suppose, you know, there's always talk about referees but one of the things i suppose you look to do and chuck chuck was the guy you brought in was to offer bring in a coaching perspective for uh, uh, officiating can you talk to us i suppose a little bit about like how that idea came about and what was your vision with that yeah that that goes back quite a couple of years um you know when i was back at the league office uh 2000 probably the first year i think we did it was right around 2011 or 12 with jeff fisher and it it was jeff had had was in between you know he had been let go um and was in between jobs and uh we thought you know we we've got a lot of great officiating people and, and officials look at the game from their perspective but it would be great to get a a coach's perspective and to have that and so when I'm watching a play and I'm looking at it from an officiating perspective, I could ask the coach, hey, what, what, are you, what is your goal here? What is this player coach to do? And, uh, and we really, you know, it started with Jeff and then we started to bring in coaches, um, Lovey Smith, Jim Schwartz, Ken Wisenhunt. Uh, we had Chuck Pagano. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of really great NFL coaches that came in and worked with officiating Chuck, uh, Chuck Bresnahan coming in. And, uh, and now they, in the officiating department, you've got Perry Fuel, who, who is one of the people running the department, who comes from a coaching background. George Stewart, who was a, a longtime special teams coach in the NFL. And, and there's, there's that coach's perspective. We worked with Tom Coughlin. Um, invaluable, be, because I, I know the game from an officiating perspective, but I don't know the game that well from a coaching perspective compared to these guys. And they were able to bring that perspective, which was which was really great for our officials. Dean, we're going to get into a couple of strange uh, situations last weekend. You, you said about the referees getting some uh, grief. I, did, I thought of overall last weekend it was, you know, compared to maybe last year earlier on the season, there wasn't too many challenging situations. The one in Chicago, though, was quite unique because the weather was so adverse and the, the Bears got done for unsportsmanlike conduct yeah. because of the, the drawing of the balls. I thought a bit of common sense might have prevailed there, but the rules are the rules. But what were your thoughts on that situation? Yeah, the rule is the rule, and, and it, it's specific where it, you can't use any, they call it a foreign article in the rule book, and uh, to, to assist in the execution of a kick, and that could be a field goal, an extra point, a punt, even a free kick. So uh, that was pretty straightforward, you, just unusual. You don't see that was obviously, um, you know, torrential downpour. The field was, was, was really compromised, and, and they obviously 
uh, a rookie punter and you have, and I know uh, Cairo Santos, who, who's a veteran, um, told him to bring the towel out. And uh, so here you have a rookie punter and now I'm getting an unsportsmanlike conduct in my first game in the NFL, my first regular season game. Uh, so it was, it was unusual, but uh, the right application of the rule. And I think now you'll see um, every team now knows that rule. And, and I don't, I don't think we'll see that again, but typically when that, you know, maybe in 10 years or so people, their, their memories aren't that long and we might see it again in, in, in the next decade. Uh, Dean, uh, NFL fans around the world always kind of cringe every year when we hear the immortal words, points of emphasis, <laughs> because it starts off this chain of like, well, how is this going to be officiated this year? And and obviously we saw the preseason a little bit about some of the points of emphasis around uh, focus on the legal contact. I think a very useful clarification around roughing the pass, so given some of the angst about that during various games last year. I know it's only been one week. I know we've only seen limited examples, but how did you feel with your experience looking at the games that those points played out in the games? And is it going to make a difference over the season, in your opinion? Yeah, I thought, you know, overall week one was was really, I thought it was well officiated. And you're always, you're always concerned about the points of emphasis and, and that it's it's an interesting the way you say it, because it is, it's kind of an ominous, okay, what does this mean? Are we, are we going to call more? What... And and with especially with illegal contact, I think that was such such it's such an important part of the game when you think about the passing game and the history of that rule. And and before when defenders were just allowed to 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 jam receivers off the line, it really impacted when they implemented kind of the bump and run run technique. It really impacted the passing game. And so that rule freed up the receivers. Uh, you know, once we got to five yards to run routes and, and, and have an unobstructed path down the field and uh, and that opened up the passing game. So it's such an important rule. And, and I think um, there were six calls in week one, which is which is a good number. You know, there were only 36 all of last year, which is historically low, the second lowest, um, you know, ever since the rule's been in place. So so I think that's a good number. And it's just about balance. It's about calling the fouls that are there, because typically with points of emphasis, you'll see a spike early, and then the players and the coaches understand where the bar is and where the standard is, and uh, and then they adjust, and then we don't see as many calls made because they're not committing as many fouls, and the officials are not they're not going to call every foul that that occurs. Uh, but I think if you get the majority of them, then the players and the coaches get the message, and and they tend to they tend to regulate their you know their behavior, their techniques and tactics on the field. There's been a lot of mixed opinions uh, on Cleveland's fake, fake, fake spike by Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some say they should have uh, been called for intentional grounding. Uh, it caused a little stir, but the kicker York has the legs make a longer kick. Uh, he has a, the legs make a longer kick anyway. But who knows? Uh, what are your thoughts on that one, man? Yeah, I thought it was intentional grounding. I thought the officials got it right at first. You know, they 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 recognized, and with that rule, you're allowed to to spike spike the ball to to. Um, you know, stop a running clock, but it's got to be all one continuous motion. And the rule talks about if you delay for any strategic purpose, um, that would be intentional grounding. And I thought that's what happened. It looked like Brissett got the snap. He kind of pushed it down, you know, whether that's a fake spike or not, um, it wasn't immediate. And then he, and then he, he brought it back and then spiked it. Uh, the officials had a flag down. They, they announced that it was a fake spike followed by a spike, but then they didn't take it one step further and enforce the penalty for intentional grounding, which, which would have made a difference. Obviously, 10 yards, there would have been a 10-second runoff. So who knows what would have happened, 
but uh, but it, it to me it was intentional grounding. Being maybe um, taking off some somewhat of the the officials hat, but just in terms of your experience, Monday night in Seattle and the the end of the game, we we saw uh, on the Manning cast Peyton call for a timeout sixty two times, uh, I think in in the space of fifty odd seconds, which uh, you know is, is quite something. You saw Shannon Sharp's face in in your years of um, watching the sport and being. And involved in it um ha- have you seen um it play out in, in quite that way uh, just the, the the length of time that seemed to it uh evaporate before a decision was made yeah it was unique you know i think we see that now especially because it was such a right it was monday night football you've got you've got the manning cast and you've got so so there's more eyeballs on monday night right russ wilson going back to seattle and to have it you know a close game down to the wire and I think, you know, and I've talked to a bunch of coaches and, and about this, and obviously, uh, you know, Nathaniel Hackett, he's a first-year head coach. Um, they, in that situation, they have a yard line in mind where where they need to get to to attempt a field goal. And uh, and usually that's going to be, you know, probably closer to the 35 or 40-yard line. I think they were at the 46, and uh, it's probably going to be a little bit closer most of the time. And, and, you know, obviously they had that in mind and, and that's why they ran the clock because they didn't want to give Seattle more time left if they were going to make that kick. Um, that's a long kick, a 64-yard kick. Only only happened, I think, what, twice in NFL history. So you got to have a lot of confidence in your kicker. It was a kind of an interesting situation. Um, I, you know, second guess, you can always, it's, it's easy when it doesn't work to second guess. I know. I think most people would have allowed Russ Wilson to to take the fourth and five play and 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 try to make a first down. I think he's a pretty good pretty good chance of that happening. At least a better chance than a sixty four yard field goal. And I think it's one that. And I think I think Hackett did come out and probably say he would have done it differently. So you learn, you live and you learn, and you move on. Dan, five new head coaches last weekend, and Hackett was the only one who didn't win. The other four had yeah. going into Monday night. The clean sweep was there, the Royal Flush. Everything it was, you it was to... right there for the taking and just didn't get it. <laughs> um, just general on week one, anything in particular you felt stood out more so than that you were expecting from a good, you know, positive or negative reason? Positive, they were just the games. They were so close, right? The, the, the NFL looks at a couple of things. They look at some metrics uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the health of the game, and scoring is a big part of that. Um, you know, I, I, you know, balance is great. Offense, defensive balance is great, but ultimately the popularity of the NFL is not, it's not the seven, six game, right? That's just, that's just reality. Um, so you look at the scoring, I thought the scoring was, was where it needed to be, but the margin of victory, right? It was, it was just over eight points. If you can get 16 games where we're averaging one score game, that's exciting. And and that's why people watch the NFL for those, right? So we can talk about what happened at the end of the, the, the Seahawks-Bronco game. So we can talk about the how many missed field goals did it feel like? How many chances did the Bengals have to win that game? How many the, the Steelers missed field goals? The Titans missed a field goal at the end of the game. It was just exciting. The Lions coming back, you know, down big, and then they come back and make it a game. I just thought it was really an exciting weekend, um, you know, to kick off the season. Dean, uh, a really, I suppose, technical, boring point in one, one respect, but something I'm always fascinated about when we watch the NFL every Sunday uh, and Monday and Thursday. Um, tonight, the game's going to be an hour ahead. Yeah. The crowd's going to be noisy, probably along with Seattle. You 
you technically, I suppose, if you follow the stats, have more full starts by uh, visiting teams in Arrowhead and in Lumenfield in Seattle than any other place in the NFL, which the 12s and the crowd in Arrowhead take great credit for and, and are very proud of. But every day we, we, we watch the game and there's a bit of movement on the line and it's a very fine line between, well, was that encroachment or offside by the defense or was it a false start by the offense? And there was a great call out by Peter King early in the week of one of the side judges in one of the games, kind of, I think, on only her first NFL start. But is that one of the hardest points of actually officiating a game? Because such small margins and such a distance almost to watch for. And I'm just... Every week we shout as fans, that's offside. No, no, it was a full start. I mean, how do you guys deal with that? How did you manage that as director of officiating? Yeah, line of scrimmage officials, I think, have the toughest job. And and you think about just pre-snap, pre-snap responsibilities um, where, you know, you're, you're, it's not like you're five feet away. I mean, they were all the way on the sideline and the ball is snapped, you know, you know, on the hash or between the hashes. And that's you, you've got to have a responsibility for the near tackle, for the snap, the defense jumps, you've got receivers on your side of the line. And it is, and how many times a game do we see the defense jump, the offense move, and now everybody stands up and we play the point game, right? They're, they're pointing at each other. And, uh, and the officials have to come in and sort it all out. And you've got, you might have a, a, an umpire in the offensive backfield that, that can see the, 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 the guard move, but they don't know if the defense is beyond the line, you know, and then the line of scrimmage official has to come in and they have the defense over the line. And now they got to kind of piece it together and figure out what they have. That is a very difficult call to make and be consistent. And it's, it's, they do a tremendous job and that just comes with reps. It comes with focus. And that's the thing we always talk about when, when officials make mistakes, it's like you lose that focus for even a split second and now you're back and you, and something just happened and we just don't know what happened. So it comes down to that, the pre-snap routine, having a routine, playing and play out, going through your checks before the play, and then having that, that laser focus, um, you know, for, you know, leading up to the snap during the down and then, the, then after the play, and then there's maybe a couple seconds to kind of reset. And then you got to go right back to that laser focus again. Dean, this is one hell of a game tonight, man. Uh, I know there's a lot of things going on in the States. It's the first game on Amazon, but you know, on on the field, you get two young quarterbacks that are amazing. I think in their first in their first thirty three games in the NFL, they're very close to each other in terms of passing yards. What are your expectations for, for this game tonight? Do you think we're going to see like a shootout, or do you think it'll be cagey? Do you think you know? I think Harrison Butker's not playing. Do you think that could be an issue for the Chiefs who will miss him tonight? And there, there's so many different factors to this game. Yeah, no, I'm so excited. I think it's going to be a great game. You look at that that AFC West and 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 all of those teams. There's a lot of hype going into the season. Obviously, Kansas City's been there. Uh, you know, they've won a Super Bowl. They've been to they've been to the Super Bowl, and uh, they've got a great team. Um, I like where the Chargers are. You look at that team. And uh, with with Herbert and some of the weapons, Keenan Allen's out. That that's gonna. I think that's gonna play a factor. Um, I'm I'm anticipating a, a more of a high scoring game. I, I I think, you know, I'm leaning Kansas City at home. You said the Arrowhead crowd. They're gonna be they're gonna be a factor. Um, and the Chargers, you know, they they just. The last couple of years, they figure out a way to lose games in in some of the most agonizing fashion. And, uh, you know, I think the Chiefs will pull it out, but I'm expecting a good game tonight. I'm excited. 
Dean, I'm um, just interested in, in terms of uh, drawing a little bit on, say, Pete Carroll in the lead up to Monday night's game and kind of the way in which he he, he utilised the crowd and oh, I'll leave it up to the 12s to make the, up their mind about what way it's going to go. We see a lot of mind games, right? In We yeah. see it in, in soccer. Uh, you go back to Sir Alex Ferguson was famous for it. You see it in rugby as well, especially on the field in rugby with the players kind of going up, talking to the referee in a very gentle way. I'm just wondering, um, obviously, new referees come into the league every year. Players maybe takes a bit of time to get to know the new the new referees. How much of, of a factor is, is that in, in the NFL as somebody who's been there in terms of players looking to maybe gain a little bit of an advantage in, in, with the with the referees? Yeah, you know, it's become more of a factor as, you know, when I first started in officiating in the mid 90s, um, teams didn't do extensive scouting on the officials, right? They they would know, okay, the names, maybe a little bit about their personal lives so we can make small talk before the game. But over over the last 30 years, I mean, it is incredible what they've now now they're scouting the officials. They know they know trends. They know who calls more holding calls on the line of scrimmage, you know what their tendencies are. And they know the first year officials and they're looking for an advantage. You know, Pete Carroll is is was great. I remember talking to Pete and and there was some philosophy and some mind games in our conversations about, you know, this is when they they'd won the Super Bowl and they were going into the next season and and how they're going to be the officials just subconsciously are going to are going to call the game or, or or have a tendency to call it in favor of the opponent because the Seahawks have just won the Super Bowl. So there's mind games all over the place. Um, you 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 hope that when an official gets through the, the vetting process with the NFL and they've worked, you know, they've worked Division One FBS football, they've worked at the highest level, they've worked bowl games, national championship games. Um, and when they're getting to the NFL, that they can eliminate that outside noise and they can just, you know, they can just focus on what's in front of them and making the call and not not have an impact. But we're all human beings and and that psychology is part of it. And you just, you know, you want your younger officials to to rise up to the moment. And uh, and so but there's definitely uh, maybe not as much as as as, you know, soccer or your football, but um, there's definitely mind games going on. Dean, you've touched on the fact that we have a really, really good game ahead of us tonight, but is there any particular game to come Sunday in week two that you're looking forward to, any one you're keeping a keen eye from a storyline? I mean, the Cowboys, we've got a lot of Cowboys fans here in Ireland and they're already feeling that the season is gone because, you know, because of the Dak situation and not looking to trade for another quarterback. Anything here that stands out for you? Uh, you know, nothing. I, to be honest with you, I'm still like putting last week to bed. I've been doing videos that I haven't, I haven't really studied the Sunday matchup. What I will say the matchups, I will say is we have a tendency to overreact, right? We, we, you know, week one. Okay. So now the Cowboys are done and the giant, the giants who won four games last year, they're back and this team and that team. And guess what? Sunday night, it, the narrative could change completely for every one of those teams. So, so we tend to overreact and that's natural. And I think that's, you know, it's just part of being a fan and loving the game and, and uh, and having those conversations. Um, so, you know, I, I'm just looking forward to another. I just hope all the games are close because it, it was really exciting, especially at the end of those, the early window of games on Sunday where, where games were going into overtime and going to the end, the last second. That, that was a lot of fun to watch those games and be a part of it. So I'm just looking forward to, to another great weekend. 
Well, well, Dean, you say you're just still putting week one to bed. And just before we put week one to bed, um, I'm reminded two years ago, we're going to watch the Chiefs tonight, Tyreek Hill playing for the Chiefs against the Broncos, caught a touchdown, and he didn't even realize he caught a touchdown. Yeah. And if they finished, he would have had a touchdown. Week one of this season, unbelievably, Jamar Chase for the Bengals, so towards the end of that crazy, wonderful game, that early slot, yeah. caught what seemed to be a touchdown, but they raced the line, got off a snap, never challenged the ruling on the field. Now, we're going to put it to the booth, to you. You've probably had a bit more time to analyze that play, see some of the angles. You know, if they'd referred it for you, touchdown or no, and just thinking about how that might have changed the dynamics of that game at yeah. that particular point. Yeah, no, to me it was a touchdown. I thought, you know, the ball crossed the ball crossed over the pylon. It was in the end zone, and, and had it been challenged, uh, it would have been overturned. And I think the league even may have, uh, somebody reported that the league had had kind of insinuated that that they would have changed it, and that that's that strategy and that game within the game for the coaches, and, and we see it. We see that whether it's time management, you know, going for it on fourth and five, or kicking a field goal, when to challenge, when to burn the timeouts, um, all of that is part of it. And uh, you know, I think I think that's one where Cincinnati, you know, they had they had kind of made a choice that okay, we're going to try to catch. Pittsburgh in a in a personnel matchup where we can get up on the ball and 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 you know they're they're not ready for uh you know their goal line defense isn't in and we can just rush the ball up the middle and get in but they ended up losing yardage and and then you know they did score eventually but yeah that the game might have turned out differently had uh had they challenged it and that's part of that that strategy that that um you know each team has to be on top of during during games Dean, obviously massively appreciate the time that you've made for us not only tonight but on so many occasions last season especially at peak times of the season just for people listening to this Dean in Ireland, Europe uh, and further afield where can they find you not just on Twitter but in certain avenues in terms of where you work online for the NFL? Yeah, so uh, obviously you can find me on Twitter at Dean Blandino Uh, I'm part of the 3013 check that out, 3013.com um, it's there's a lot of great content. It's a lot of former coaches, former players, um, and uh, and just talk football. Whether it's officiating, whether it's game strategy, uh, you know, a lot of analysis. So you can find me on on there, and you can find me on uh, on Fox Sports broadcasts, both college and NFL on uh, on Saturdays and Sundays. I know it's a little. Uh, I don't know how you all do it. You stay up pretty late to watch these games. I think that's awesome. Um, I'm 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 getting used to being on the west coast of the United States, where the games start at, at 10 a.m. on Sundays. So that's uh, that's a little different for me coming from the East Coast. But y- you know, for you guys, that's uh, you know 10 a.m. That's you probably welcome the early starts because it's not uh, it's not 2 a.m. your time when the game kicks off. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, even when that college game was in Dublin, it was half five in the evening. It was nice because you knew yeah. it wasn't too late. But uh, yeah, it's it's it's, it's going to be a good season. Hopefully, then we can uh, maybe have you on the show again at some point. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure Absolutely. something's going to happen over the next few weeks. So we'll definitely yeah. <laughs> definitely have you on. But uh, definitely appreciate your time, man. And enjoy week two. Enjoy the game tonight. All right. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Dean. Thank you. Thanks a million to Dean Blandino for coming on. Um, and you can as Dean said you can find him out on social media there uh, lads we've got uh, Matt Derrick we're going to talk about the Chiefs in a couple of minutes um, so we'll ring him on whenever he comes on Colin I'll have this quick round table just in terms of this game tonight uh, for people watching this in the States and I think forever afield is this like this is the first game that Amazon have done ever properly during the NFL season uh, with their own crew you have got Al Michaels 
and Kirk I can't pronounce his surname he does ESPN college football and I only know he does ESPN college football because that's around the time on a Saturday when uh, I might sit down and relax like you know it's it's gonna be interesting isn't it it's a whole different commentary crew and everything tonight yeah Jeff Bezos might be the one person in in the world who um, gets his own way more than uh, Tom Brady and quite the uh, stellar lineup that the Amazon obviously have. They had the the game for, you know, there was always the talk, I suppose, prior to, I think they maybe began to change a little bit last year, but Thursday nights, oh, it's, it's throwaway games. It's not decent teams. I don't think that is at all the, the case, given that week one to open the season was the Bills-Rams, and then uh, tonight you have two of the top two quarterbacks. Mark uh, talked about it earlier. Two of the top two quarterbacks in the league, two um, teams who could very easily be in the AFC championship game uh, come the end of the season. It really should be a fantastic game. Brian, are you looking forward to this new this new start in Amazon or do you care? You just want to watch the game, yeah? Or what's, what's your thoughts? Oh, it's, it's Al Michaels under a different umbrella, really, isn't it? Okay, we're... He's moving away from Sunday Night Football. I'm more excited about the game, Michael, than listening to the commentators. And I'm interested to see how this Chargers offense does because, yeah, they won last weekend, but I don't think it was one of their better performances offensively. They only put up 24 points. Herbert, again, okay, looks special, but they didn't put up the numbers that we expected, and the Chiefs did. They put up five touchdowns. There's been conversations this week around the fact that the Chiefs played a lot of players in, in the, in the uh, preseason games, which helped them. It benefited them straight away coming last Sunday against the Cardinals, and they were really efficient. Charges look like they were feeling themselves into it, and I'd be interested to see if they can go tonight and put up the points against the Chiefs team that I feel will put up the points, especially if JC Jackson, which is at this stage looks highly unlikely he's going to play, which is a big loss. He hasn't he didn't play last week. Devontae Adams had a game. I mean, he was brought in for these type of games to shut down wide receivers on the of the teams who are really aggressive with offense, and every team in this division has a really strong offense. So it'd be interesting to see how they do. And the Chiefs as well in the secondary. We're doing quite well last weekend with the, with the rookie uh, Trent McDuffie. He's not going to play. Went off injured. A few players came in. They were a bit mixed. So just points to be had. It'd be interesting to see how both offences do. Absolutely. Uh, Mark, I'll I'll get your viewpoint after we bring our next guest on, if that's okay. And I'm presuming our guest is going to give us a thumbs up that he's ready to go. I think he's an arrowhead as well. Happy as I bring him in. Uh, we are delighted to welcome in Matt Derrick. Matt was on the show previously, uh, not just last season, but the season before as well. Uh, and Mar- uh, sorry, Matt is the beat writer at ChiefsDigest.com, the author of Patrick Mahomes' Showtime. Matt, uh, I know it's a busy day for you. Thanks a million for coming on, man. How are you, get- how are you getting on? Jen, uh, doing pretty well. Hopefully, we won't have uh, too many distractions here in the press box, anything or noise or anything. But uh, great to catch up with you before the game, Matt. Uh, I have to ask you before Column jumps in here. There's a rumor going around that uh, they're giving out free fire sticks from Amazon. Is this true? <laughs> <laughs> there are. I, I don't know how widespread they're. I don't know if they're giving them to people in through the gates, but uh, I do know that they have have them in the press box at each seat. So the Amazon Prime is getting the message out uh, quite well about how to stream the game. Matt, there was obviously a lot of changes in the off season, but you what you, you have Andy Reid, you have Patrick Mahomes there, and you had a kind of a beaten up Cardinals team. 
But were you surprised at how the Cardinals approached that, the way in which they blitzed Mahomes, given, you know, how he picks? I mean, that's the, his favorite way to play the game, right? Like he got, he, and especially in the red zone last week, they just threw everything at him and he absolutely picked them apart. Yeah, I mean, when Andy Reid, told us after the game he said they they you know vance joseph sends everybody but the popcorn vendor so um he stayed true to himself i mean that is that's certainly what vance joseph does and and it makes sense to a degree with the injuries that they did have that you know not necessarily in week one of the season making your defense do something out of character for you they they stayed true to themselves um that this wasn't the best matchup to do that against because as you pointed out Patrick Mahomes even blitzes. We've seen that. I mean, that's pretty pretty clear at this point. That's what he thrives under when you throw that pressure at him. Um, but this week's going to be different. I mean, you're going to see, you know, the Chargers have traditionally played Mahomes pretty tough, and you're going to see some of those two-shell defenses. You're going to see them play a little bit more zone. So I'm intrigued to see what happens because, you know, what the, what the Cardinals did might be the only time the Chiefs see a defensive game plan like that all season. Uh, Reid was quite critical of the uh, the Arizona pitch last weekend for the injuries to Booker and uh, Trent McDuffie, and McDuffie's not going to play this evening. We were just discussing there the secondary. How can, is there a concern for you in terms of Chargers potentially taking them apart in the secondary because it was a little bit touch and go towards the end of the season how good they were in the secondary? Yeah, there's there's going to be a lot of questions with this secondary, and, and McDuffie is a huge loss. Uh, that was a guy that had played very well, and obviously the Cardinals didn't even didn't even test him. Um, so the Chiefs are going to have more rookies. They're going to have a, a few younger faces out there, and they're going to be really recounting on Legereus Sneed and Rashad Fenton uh, to fill the gap. They really need both those guys to step up, and Sneed obviously I think has proven himself at this point, Fenton is still a bit of a wild card. I mean, he's kind of been in and out of the lineup and and hasn't gotten consistent time over the years. This is going to be his chance to play every single down and and get it truly a chance to prove himself. Um, but a lot is going to fall on a Jalen Watson, who is probably going to be the third corner in that um, when they do go to some nickel situations. Um, very intrigued with him, and especially in a matchup like this where you know the Chargers have some bigger guys like Mike Williams. Jalen Watson's is a, a bigger corner, and the Chiefs drafted him with the idea that when you go up against some of these bigger receivers around the league, like Mike Williams, and you know you see what the Bengals have. I mean, they need some some bigger size there, and and we'll I think learn about a lot about Watson tonight because I'm expecting the Chargers will probably challenge him. Uh, Matt, I mean, we always don't want to say one swallow makes a summer, so you don't want to take too much from week one necessarily, but it couldn't have started much better for the Chiefs. You look at the offense, and yes, they lost Tory Kill, but everyone was interested to see how Scantling and, uh, sorry, MVS, as I heard him referred to as well, which is a nice little acronym, Sky Moore, Juju, etc., combined to mirror that production. And equally on defense, which was a killer for the Chiefs at the start of last season, seemed to start so bright, bottling up Kyler Murray and what can be a very explosive Cardinals offense. In terms of the changes that have occurred there, and it did seem like there's a bit of freshening up, obviously, on the Chiefs' side. Um, like, what impressed you more? Or what were you maybe more worried about going into week one? And what do you hope, I would say, continues tonight and through the rest of the season in particular? Yeah, I, I, I think it's important you mentioned the defense because I think that's what might have impressed me the most. I mean, the offense, what it did, you would kind of expect it with Holmes facing that kind of game plan that Arizona threw at him. So in, in retrospect, it doesn't seem that surprising. And, and I felt like the Chiefs offense was going to be OK. They were going to be different. And different doesn't necessarily mean worse. Uh, you know, they might be worse in some ways, but better in other ways. 
with the lineup that they have now. So let's see. But the defense was, I, I think, particularly impressive because, you know, as you mentioned, Kyler Murray is a quarterback that can do some different things, and they simply did not let him get established at any point um, and certainly didn't let Murray do some of the things where he's most effective, which is to get out of the pocket and extend plays. Uh, they really contained him. And most importantly, they played disciplined football. And I think the bigger part of it, you know, for both sides of the football was that third quarter. Last year, the Chiefs had a tendency to sometimes let games get away in the third quarter, either giving away leads or, you know, not being able to make some pushes. And the defense was a big part of that. You saw offenses making adjustments and and really thriving in that third quarter. This third quarter against the Cardinals, you know, it was 14-0 Chiefs, and they held them to, I think, under four yards of play in that third quarter. Well, the average offense averaged over 11 yards of play. That's dominating. So, you know, you can almost throw that final score out the window because the fourth quarter was was backups mostly. Chiefs dominated that. And the way they dominated defensively, I think, was pretty important. So uh, the big thing for me, being a supporter of a team in the AFC West, Matt, is the significance of these sort of games. Like, uh, the Chiefs don't play the Broncos until, like, is it week 14? And they play each other again week 16, week 17, I've got that correct. Whereas the Raiders have already played the Chargers, and now tonight you've got a huge game in the Chargers and the Chiefs. The significance of these games, especially within this division, cannot be underestimated, can it? You know, regardless of the outcome tonight. You're absolutely right. I mean, um, a game like this, particularly in the division, can be very important down the road, and especially when all these teams do kind of collide in, in December. It, they do finally start playing interdivision a lot more. Um, a game like this can be a, a big step. And, you know, think about it from the Chargers standpoint. If they could get 2-0 and inside the division, that would be a huge advantage for them. So the, either one of these teams getting this win would be big. I mean, for the Chiefs, it would be an opportunity to, to hold their home field against a team that I think will clearly be their, their biggest challenger in the AFC West this year. For the Chargers, the chance to put a hammer on this division. I mean, having a two-game lead early on would be dramatic. So for them and, and for having being able to beat the Chiefs in Kansas City in week two after that performance, I, I think would really give the Chargers a lot of confidence. So let's see what happens. But I, I think you're right. It's absolutely a critical game for both these teams. Well, in stark contrast to the Broncos, the Chargers don't seem to fear going into to Arrowhead. And, and that's because of probably Justin Herbert and, and his ability. And I mean, pro- you have Allen, you have Mahomes and you have Herbert and people rank them differently. But I think we all agree those are the three kind of elite, elite QBs in um, in the AFC. In terms of just that, like what what they could get into tonight, could this turn into a kind of a, a Chiefs Rams type game from a few years back? You know, my gut tells me no, because I think that both these defenses are better than that. Um, you know, let's see. I think the Chiefs have a little bit more to prove, but I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, with, especially the way that the Chargers have played Mahomes in the past, they've got an effective game plan. They know how to do it. And they beefed up this offseason with the idea that knowing you have to go after Patrick Mahomes with four rushers up front, you've got to be able to get to him off the edge. And if you can do that seven back consistently, that's the way to slow this offense down. I mean, even though you look at a game like the Rams, history has actually shown that if you get into a track meet with the Chiefs, you can win those games, but nobody wants to. They want to slow this team down. So uh, I think the Chargers have done a really good job of that. If this is a game that stays in the 20s, 
uh, which I think it will. It's going to be a close game either way. I think that's the Chargers' best chance. If this ends up being, you know, who can race down the field the fastest and get the last score, that usually favors Kansas City. Last season, we saw an aggressive start of coaching from, from Staley. There were some games where he was criticized for going for fourth downs. The game against the Chiefs and SoFi, where he went for it a couple of times and gave up on field goals. And Andy Reid has obviously had the aggressive manner as well in terms of going for it on fourth down with the kicking situation on both sides because Hopkins is a concern uh, if you speak to a number of Chargers fans. And obviously, Amadola, who was with the Jets last year, didn't have the best time there, has come in to replace Booker. Do you see more scenarios tonight where maybe they'll just be put off by going for field goals and essentially going for it on fourth down a lot? Yeah, that'll be interesting for sure from the Kansas City perspective because, yeah, I mean, with Harrison Butker, you feel confident with his range from easily up to 60. Um, in any situation and with Amendola you're right I mean he's 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 very consistent inside of 40 after that it's much a much bigger question mark so yeah I mean you know Andy Reid's typically a guy fourth and fourth and five from the 43 what do you do um I think you're probably going to see Tommy Townsend in those situations I mean you know that's that's the thing I mean Andy Reid if it's fourth and two, maybe he's going to go for it. But fourth and five, that's typically about a punting situation for him. So let's see what he does in some of those borderline situations. I know I know what Brandon Staley's going to do. He's going to go for it every single time. Uh, probably doesn't matter down in distance. He's going to go for it. Fourth and nine, he'll probably go for it from the 43. Uh, but Andy Reid's not, he's, he's not going to play that game. And, you know, I thought it was very interesting. I went back to look at it after Steve Spagnuolo mentioned this week that, you know, the Chiefs knew that over the last three seasons – they have faced the second most fourth down attempts in the league. That's true. Conversely, the Chiefs offense has attempted the second fewest fourth down attempts in the last three years. So that kind of tells you, you know, both sides of this, how the Chiefs come down. They never go for it on fourth down and everybody goes out for fourth down against them. Oh, that's that's a fascinating stat, um, particularly with Andy Reid's background as well, um, uh, Max. But um, every time you say the words Amendola, I keep wanting to expect him to line up a slot receiver. Sorry, it's my Patriots bias probably coming <laughs> through there. But uh, um, in any event, slot receiver is a fascinating position. One of the, the things I always think about week one is the youngsters get blooded. The rookies have finally had their first kill. They've finally gone on the pitch for an NFL game. And there's been a lot of talk, obviously, about some of the, the Chargers receivers. Uh, sorry, there's Chargers rookies and some breakthrough artists potentially there, but probably no rookie that's been on the that'll be on the field tonight has had more attention during the offseason than Sky Moore. Of course, because of the moves with Tyreek Hill and how he might play. But in terms of what you've seen all the way through training camp, preseason, now in week one, how do you think he's going to pan out? Or any other thoughts about the current Chiefs rookie class? You always need the rookies to perform to round out the team properly, whoever you are and wherever you are. Yeah, I, you know, I was probably a little bit more conservative in some of the estimates about Sky Moore as a rookie. And, and honestly, it has nothing to do with his makeup or his physical ability. I think that both those areas are, are very high for him. I mean, I think there's no doubt with what he's shown. Um, his short area quickness, his, his hands. I mean, he's got all the skills. And, and I think he's also got the temperament to be successful in this league. Problem is that, you know, Andy Reid's got a 400-page thick playbook. And, and they like the receivers to be able to play all three spots. So it's not talking about learning 400 plays. You're really talking about learning 1,200. And that's a big load for anyone to pick up, much less a rookie. And go back and look at, you know, Tyreek's rookie year. 
And I think you're going to see a lot of the same usage. I mean, I think the Chiefs will find some ways to get Sky more the ball early on in some unique situations and creative ways, maybe out of the backfield, maybe with some short passes. But as you saw against Arizona, I don't think he's going to be a big part of the game plan. That will probably change as the season progresses. He picks things up a little bit more. He gets more confident. Um, learning Andy Reid's off very difficult. And Andy Reid does not like to drown his receivers. So historically, unless your name is Deshaun Jackson and you're a first or a second round pick you know that high and um, they really need you, Andy Reid's going to bring you along slowly. I mean, he is at this point the fifth receiver on this team. I don't think he will finish the season as the fifth receiver. I think he'll be a lot higher than that, but give him some time and let him grow, and I think you'll like what you see. Just a very, very quick fire final round, Matt, before you go off to, to work this evening in, in Arrowhead. Uh, disappointing results for the Broncos and the Raiders in the AFC West on Sunday and Monday, uh, respectively, last week. Have your thoughts changed on this division uh, in terms of what the AFC White or the AFC West may be made up of, or do you think it's way too early for predicting stuff? I'm 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 definitely with what you said earlier, and that you know trying not to take too many brash generalizations from week one. Um, I thought, frankly, I mean Denver outplayed Seattle for most of that game. Um, it was just a handful of decisions and the turnovers that were huge in that game. Uh, I think that's big. So, you know, that's a game that could have gone either way. So I don't necessarily hold that against Denver too much. And I think Nathaniel Hackett will probably develop as a coach as well. Um, but, hey, first-year coach, it's always going to be tough, especially, I think, in a division like this where everybody is better. I went into the season thinking it was the the Chiefs, the Chargers are right there, and then the Broncos and Raiders are a little bit behind both those teams. And I kind of still feel that way. I mean, I haven't dramatically changed either either way yet. So let's see what happens. But I, I do think that this division is better. And I think that with the quarterbacks that you have in this division, it's probably the deepest division in football. Yeah, and I suppose a lot of the focus obviously goes on the QBs. We've talked about them on the wide receivers on both of these teams. But last year, the Achilles heel for the Chargers was the, the run game. They just could not stop the run. And last week, um, Josh Jacobs had, was averaging nearly six yards a carry. Um, he didn't get that much work, but to, to average nearly six, um, do you, do you think we might see uh, the Chiefs run it a little bit more than than maybe we're, we've been talking about in the, the build-up to this game? Well, I thought it was interesting. Earlier this week, I asked Eric Bieniemy, you know, if he was uh, curious to see just how the Chiefs offense would perform, you know, when they're going to face a defense that plays them a little bit differently, that plays them with the, these two deep looks and knows them like the Chargers do. And it was, it was very interesting that the first thing he pivoted to was that we have to run the football better. And that's the most important thing. So I, I'm really, you know, whether he's blowing smoke at us, you know, trying to let us let us think that they're going to run the football a lot. There's no doubt they they want to be able to run the football when they want to and when they have to. Andy Reid's not going to change. He's not going to all of a sudden be running the football at every down. He's still going to throw the football first. They just want to be better, and they want to to be effective when they have to. So there's going to be some opportunities tonight. There's no doubt. I think the Chargers will have some light boxes and some opportunities for them to run. 
if they can if they can be effective, that's going to go a long way towards proving what they want to, which is that they are a tougher team this year. Matt, my question actually is on the Eric Bieniemy because there was five new head coaches last weekend in the league, and again a year a year removed from when he went from previous interviews, he still hasn't got that opportunity to move to the head coach. And Mike Kafka has obviously moved on the quarterback coach to being a coordinator with the Giants. Um, from dealing with him firsthand in the in the press conference, is he still the same in terms of what his focus on the Chiefs, or do you feel there's a little bit of frustration that he hasn't got an opportunity in the league? Yet? You know, it's hard to say. I don't I don't want to project anything on him that there's been any frustration, but I will say I feel like that he may be just a little bit more free than he has been in the past, maybe a little bit less reserved. And and that's an odd thing because, you know, Eric Benamy is sometimes some of the best quotes. I mean, we get some of the best phrases out of Eric Benamy that you'll find. And and sometimes the language will be a little colorful. Um, but this year, I, I do feel like he's been a bit more free. And maybe some of that is, you know, he's reached the point where, hey, let's just be myself and let the chips fall where they may. And if that's the case, I think that's probably great for him from a personal and professional standpoint. But I certainly haven't seen anything from his, you know, mentality change as far as his work ethic or his commitment and certainly nothing that the team has said. I mean, it's this team continues to believe that this is a future NFL head coach and they're just going to enjoy him while they still have him. Matt, we're always delighted when you can join us. We're really grateful for your time here like tonight. You're live from the press box there in Arrowhead. Um, I really wanted to catch your musings on various matters. Find you on Twitter at Matt Derrick and also on ChiefsDigest.com. One last question before we let you go, though, Max. I appreciate you're a busy man tonight. Very simple. Pick for the game. And don't worry, if you pick against the Chiefs, we won't tell anyone. We'll keep it on the download. It's okay. <laughs> I, I do think it's going to be a close game. I don't think it's going to be a, a track meet up in the field. Chargers just play the Chiefs too tough. But uh, without, if Keenan Allen is not playing tonight, which I still haven't heard for sure, we, you know, inactives that are a little bit of ways, um, I, I think it's going to be difficult for the Chargers to overcome that if he's not out there. Uh, I am going with the Chiefs 27 to 24, which means if I were a betting person, I would actually be betting on the Chargers because I do think they'll cover the spread. Interesting. Uh, Matt, look, thanks a million for your time, man. Uh, enjoy the game tonight, and who knows, maybe we will be buying you a beer or sticks in Arizona in February. Uh, chat soon, man. That would be great. I would love to see you guys in person. Always a blast to talk to you. Thank see you. Man. All the best. Bye-bye. We'll probably see Matt in Frankfurt or Munich over the next few years. Who knows what could happen uh, in Germany, at least. Uh, thanks very much for Matt for coming on. Lads, uh, we'll do a quick segment here on week two. Yeah? Yeah? No? Okay, right, well, let's go. Uh, so in this segment, we're going to look at maybe a couple of games each. We'll do a round twice and talk about things that we're excited for for week two. Anybody want to guess what my main excitement is for this weekend? Somebody guess the main game that I'm really excited for. Go on. The Rams and the Falcons? No. Oh. No, right. I, I, I'm... Daniel Hackett learning how to manage a game in the last that's a good minutes, Coming from but... a Patriots fan, that's a good one because we're both in the same spot. We're both 0-1 at the minute, mate. Um, Colts-Jaguars. <laughs> Colts-Jaguars. Oh. Um, we, we gave you Colts-Texans on the quick fire last weekend, so I understand why you want to keep with your Colts. I'm, uh, it's not about the Colts. I've, well, it is and it isn't. I, the thing that really interests me about this game is the last time these two teams played each other, all the Colts had to do was win and go to the playoffs and they completely cacked the bed as we say in Toronto I don't, know if, I, don't know if, I don't know if that's a thing in the south or not cacked the bed but they did and Matt Ryan last week had over 300 yards passing Jonathan Taylor had 165 yards I think it was on, on the rush and 
they still didn't win against the Texans. I watched. Did, did you watch the Colts game back last week? Matt Ryan. I mean, Colin. Remember what Peyton Manning was like against the Steelers in 2015? I I don't want to go too far into it. It's one week. I'm intrigued to see this game. I have made my pick for tomorrow night, and I will. And this is the whole point in the second. If you're listening to this on Friday morning, folks, we are live at 9:30 uh, on Friday night with podcasts going up. First thing in the morning on Saturday with a full podcast out in the Sunday morning for week two. Uh, I am intrigued for this game. I feel that if the Colts were to drop to o one and one, it could really open that division up. Colin, is there a game uh, that you are interested in this weekend that we'll talk about more tomorrow night? Yeah, for for me, it's the Raiders against the Cards. I think that's huge. Both uh, sides having lost their opening game, and uh, go back to the one of the the stats uh, that I quoted at the the start. Uh, talked about if you win the two games, well, if you lose your opening two games, uh, just eleven percent of teams have then gone on to go to the playoffs. And uh, I think for both of of these teams they really want to go i think cliff and the the gm in arizona need to go uh to to the playoffs and you know the uh, josh josh mcdaniels hits has a lot more leeway having just come in but um given the new contract given that what they gave up for devon adams they will have expectations there so to me that's an enormous game. Um, one the Cardinals could probably uh, would wished it was maybe later in the the schedule, given that they're they're still dealing with injuries and uh, missing Hopkins. But uh, given that they need to get a win, that's one to that will be very very interesting. Have you seen? I don't mean to butt in, Brian. For, for, for just for your point, have you seen the Cardinals' schedule? Like, I'm a complete nerd now. Like, have you seen your schedule over the next five weeks? They are it's in qu- major trouble, Brian. Major trouble. The Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury could be out of a job before your kids are looking sweet to Halloween. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far, but uh, we did we did uh, discuss in our NFC West preview the the nature of their schedule and how difficult it was, and <clears throat> we did we all felt it'd be a drop off this season. It could be a dramatic drop off from going from seven and zero at the start of last season to potentially zero and five. I think maybe we had suggested that could be could be could happen. And the one for me is the Bengals and the Cowboys because Jerry is not willing to make a trade to bring in a quarterback this week. He said it was great. Well, we had a really good detailed conversation on Monday on the show. One about Zach Taylor's coaching of the game against the Steelers, which we were quite critical of, and they'll look for a bounce back. And he, and the Cowboys have said they're not trading for the quarterback and they're going to run it back with Cooper Rush and they have all the confidence in the world in him. And Jerry said it was a very surprising night on Sunday. So I don't know why he was surprised by it because we all, well, with the exception of you, Michael, we all picked the Cowboys and felt that the books were dominant in particular defensively which is which is what happened so interesting to see how this offense bounces back without Dak because for three and a half quarters with Dak they couldn't move the ball either so he thinks they're going to be okay with Cooper rushes the quarterback against a Bengals team that's that's going to be ruining a difficult loss I, I fear for the Cowboys on Sunday Mark just going down to your level hold on let's get down to for people on the podcast Mark needs to put his camera up I'm joking Mark I'm just trying to stay awake because I'm up all night reporting on Justin Herbert. So what's the crack? What, what game are you excited for first tomorrow or on Sunday? Well, I mean, I I could get excited about you know, the Patriots versus Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, two franchises not on the same luster they were, both with 
six Super Bowl wins, which is twice as many as the Broncos, Michael. But no, I'm not excited about that. I'll give you a, maybe it's going to sound strange. I'm actually very excited to see the Carolina Panthers face off against the New York Giants. And the reason I'm excited about that is, one, I'm still fascinated to see the ever-going Baker Mayfield saga and how it will go. I mean, are Carolina going to break another top pick and ruin him forevermore, uh, forever and a day? But actually, and this is to really depress the Cowboys fans that listen to us, I think the Cowboys are almost inevitably going to be heading towards 0-4 with Dak Prescott's injury. Another flip side to that is, I'm going to say it now, so you've got my pick for the next three weeks, Michael. The Giants will sit at 4 and 0. The Giants the are Giants going to London. To the four and uh, this, this league's a joke. They, if Daniel Jones, they they have to then play the Cowboys without Dak Prescott, and then they have the Bears. I think it is highly possible that could occur, and then my dream could come true. We could maybe once have a London game between two teams with a winning record when they actually come to London, which has never ever happened. Hold in the on, don't, so we, we can't talk about it. We haven't got the credentials yet. Just let's po- positive talk about the London. Game. <laughs> Let's uh, let's see. But, but yeah, I, I just think it's going to be fascinating to see if the Giants can keep that momentum. They weren't, Brian, you'll admit it, they weren't world beaters necessarily at the weekend. Uh, Daniel Jones still has his issues, still had turnovers, uh, but Saquon Barkley did play well. And I'm just fascinated to see, can they turn the test of time? Uh, above 500 for the first time in six years. Um, and I can see them going to 4-0. and Let's talk NFL, about that more tomorrow night. Blokes. Let's discuss that more yeah, tomorrow night, 9.30. Let's get... Uh, sorry, yeah, Brian, better, I mean, we're going to do another better, round table, but go I, ahead. I better go get the beers and celebrate more for now. We can't, One game we, at a time. And One this is why I was going to ask I was going to ask Mark about this. We, we have to be impartial in this show. Mark, very quickly, 30-second answer uh, before we get another round of games here and then we'll give our game picks. Uh, are we being too harsh on the Patriots after that performance last week? We've had comments. No. I've had DMs oh, from yeah. people saying we've been too I harsh mean, on them. I mean, no, I don't know. I'm not like, trying to be I mean, harsh, lads. No, when you said a couple of weeks ago you think Matt Jones will be out of the NFL at the end of this season, that was too harsh. And I don't think he'll be a starting illogical. quarterback next year in terms of the way if that was to continue over the next seven. And I think that's a fair statement. It's, I hope he is. He's the first-round pick on a rookie, rookie contract. That was a bit illogical. But no, I don't think he's been too harsh. I mean, the Patriots' defense was actually better than probably I expected in many respects. I only gave up 13 points uh, when you consider seven of them came on the pick six. Um, but the offense did look disjointed. Look, Patriots fans, they do have 17 first downs. They did slightly move the ball, but turnovers at the wrong time, not where they need to be. Uh, a lot of work necessary to be done. And Patriots but fans... Lot, 31 other teams to talk about. Of course, and Patriots fans, there'll be a full segment on your team tomorrow night. Uh, can't wait for that. Mac Jones against Mitchell Trubisky. America's Game of the Week. Uh, the game that I'm going to talk about on my last sort of preview here um, is the Seattle Seahawks against the San Francisco 49ers. Um <laughs> where do I start here if I'm going to piss off Patriots fans this could be a, this could be bad is Trey Lance the answer there's no George Kittle this week it seems let's see what happens in Seattle See, if, I mean Geno Smith lads the other night had 195 yards two touchdowns if Trey Lance can't get the ball down the field against the Seahawks I know Seattle had their Super Bowl last week and you know for a, an organisation well, I can't say anything they're going to Munich aren't they um We'll talk go about on, it tomorrow go on, night. Go on. No, go I'm not saying that. I, I, I think like Seattle, are, like and Brian. I think we talked about this on the Batten podcast this week. Seattle are seven to two to beat the Niners. The Niners have got a rookie yeah. quarterback that's played in as many games. 
that is like I like, lads come off it like this whole situation is nuts yeah. in in San Francisco and we all just gonna sit there and agree oh Trey Lance I hope he is personally professionally I hope Trey Lance is going to Arizona in February but I just have a feeling that all is not 100% and maybe I'm gonna pick the Seahawks tomorrow night Colin Michael, what's your, Michael, what, Michael, sorry, yeah. sorry. You said we're all sitting near Trey Lance. I've been saying it for the exact same thing with you. We've been in lockstep since day one on this. We've been in lockstep in preseason. We were on lockstep on Monday. I think it's a disaster. Kittle's not likely to play on Sunday either. It's going to be Garoppolo by week five, week six. I'm telling you, we're, we're on the same page. More on this tomorrow night. Sorry, Michael, I'm a little bit worried the apocalypse is coming. You and Brian are agreeing vociferously on something, like there's, <laughs> there's something seriously wrong. Um, I will just say, you bring up Seattle San Fran, in case people haven't noticed, um, the ESPN are reporting per sources that Jamal Adams is out for the season for Seattle. We focused a lot on TJ Watt's uh, injury for the Steelers, but that is devastating um, for Seattle secretary, if that is proved to be the case. Colm, uh, Kajé, Kajé, what's your game that you want to talk about? Uh, I, like, I, the league, the overreactions to, like, you lose a game now and it's like the the end of the world. They're bringing a, a, a rookie QB. They, ha- they have to take their licks. Like, they went and got him. Like, what, what the option, if they don't start Lance, again, we'll get into it more tomorrow. But it's absolutely insanity um, if uh, if they've done what they, they did. They know what Jimmy G is. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. They where have that's to start him. About. I'm just, just giving a, right, what game? And don't the, say Texans against Broncos. Don't. <laughs> no, 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 that that could be interesting for other reasons. No, it's it's going to be the Ravens against the the Dolphins um, because that's uh, going to be should be fascinating. You obviously have um, two teams there who got a, a win um, to start the season, and but you know have question marks hanging over both QBs. Um, there's still more talk this week that, you know, uh, around Lamar and, and what the Ravens might do about franchise tagging him and then looking to um, trade trade him potentially. Oh, that This is just going to continue for the season. And also the fact, like, the Dolphins, it, you know, Tua missed an awful lot of open players last week. Um, Mark talked about the the Patriots defense. Um, yeah, at, at moments they 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 were good, but at other times, like if Tua had been able to to hit his guy, um, it could be very different. He also talked today about you know he how I suppose his height impacts the way in which um, he plays, and that's just a, a reality. Uh, I think again there was an overreaction to him actually pointing out um, an objective fact. I don't think that's a bad thing. Him saying that it does impact the way in which uh, he plays, but at the same time, there's an awful lot of weapons there, and the speed that they showed. Like if they can find a way uh, for him to, you know, get the ball into the receiver's hands, they could be scary good. Michael, I was going to go with Seattle and 49 but you took it away on me, so I'll, I'll, I'll shift gears to Sunday night football. Just Seattle, I did say nine wins this season. The one bank down, holiday game, Brian. The, that, the, the late <laughs> well, night game for all the lads up here. Happy days. And two games on Monday night as well. So, 
yeah, yeah. it's, it's okay. really yeah. and just I, cause I knew you were going to say that about Seattle on top but it's more tomorrow night me if I pick Seattle tomorrow night I still think the comment that you made about Seattle weeks ago was probably in, in two and a half years was one of the worst things I've heard in this, on this broadcast ever there's so, no so way far, in hell they're getting 10 wins this season Nine, there's, I said nine. There's more chance nine. of well nine. How about no in German or you know nine? No, no chance. So so far so good. Anyway, <laughs> I, I want to move to Sunday night football. Um, the Bears coming off the win against the 49ers, the criticised 49ers here, um, with Justin Fields who only had eight completions in the entirety of the game, and the Bears fans rightly so, similar to the Giants are on the crest of a wave this week. But I think. And again, I don't want to give away picks, but I think something might be coming crashing down very quickly. And Packers 10-point favourites, Brian, on the handicap. 10-point uh, favourites. That's, that's a disgrace. Okay, well, disgrace in what way, Michael? In terms of, do you think it should be less? Oh, no, it should. Uh, no, I, I'm just saying, no, like, no, it's, it's, it's supposed it's to be a primetime football game, Brian. Like, you would think that maybe Justin Fields could take the ball down the field a couple of times in the game. We'll talk about this tomorrow night, but uh, I'd like to think for all of us lads sent up late on Sunday night that we're going to get a good game. You know? I think the bookies are not wrong too often, and I think they've recognised that for the first three, two and a half, three quarters potentially last weekend, the Bears couldn't do anything with the ball, and then all of a sudden teams went a bit crazy in that game the, four, uh, the Packers uh, this reminds me of last year the Packers got blown out in week one nobody expected it against the Saints okay you all went for the Vikings I was quite surprised by how poor they played and then they went I think it was on Monday Night Football last year and we discussed it on the betting podcast where they went in and played the Lions at home and they blew the Lions out and they, and you know the offence got going I know Devontae Adams was there then but I, I see something similar on Sunday it'd be interesting to see how quickly they react. Uh, they're at home, it's the opening game, the crowd are going to be well up for it. It's a big divisional clash, no matter when the game is played. And the Bears will, maybe the Bears will fancy themselves, but I think most Bears fans would recognise last weekend was a great win. But can they live with Rodgers, with the players that he still has around them, if they get things going? I would expect a big improvement by the pack on Sunday night and a big, a big bounce back to what we saw last week. Mark, the Bears will, quote, fancy themselves. Do you fancy yourself? Or is that like a saying in the cipher? What's the crack? It's a joke. I, I'm trying to keep. I'm trying to keep the crack going here at five past eleven at night. M- Michael, that that's a little bit disturbing, narcissistic. If I was to say yes to that question, <laughs> no, no, we'll be right I, back. I, um, I tell you, someone who does fancy themselves, and I'm going to clash. Right, we'll talk about someone who definitely think fancy themselves, but also I'm going to clash two sports here. So Liverpool did it once against Bournemouth. Leicester did it once against Southampton. Man United did it twice against Southampton and Ipswich. And, of course, the New Orleans Saints did it last year against Tampa Bay. What am I talking about? Winning 9-zip in a game. And my other game off highlight, which I just think is going to be so fascinating this weekend, is Tampa Bay at the New Orleans Saints yet again. Um, Regular season, Tampa Bay, Tom Brady haven't been able to beat them. It's been abysmal for them. So uh, whether he can break that curse, whether obviously the Saints can bounce, uh, I mean, they, they bounce back pretty strong, obviously, but whether they can continue to keep some momentum going, especially considering obviously Sean Payne's departure, which we talked about, is it going to be the same? Are they still going to curse Tom Brady? Um, lots of tabloid speculation about Tom Brady and kind of personal challenges uh, coming out this week. Uh, so he might be dealing with some uh, personal matters as well. He's got Separately, a lot of uh, yipe going on, apparently, he said. Yeah, well, yeah. he's got he's going to have enough problems on the field again with that Saints team, especially that Saints defense. Still not necessarily sold on James Winston, but I'm definitely still sold 
on that Saints defense. Fascinating matchup. Can't wait to see. Yeah, and would probably help if Tom actually went to practice on Wednesday. We'll talk about that tomorrow night. Um, let's get game picks in. We're going to get everyone's comments after these game picks because... I think we all know who everyone's going to pick here. So, Colin, who have you got for the uh, the Chargers against the Chiefs tonight in the first ever game on Amazon? I'm about to sneeze. I'm going to go on mute. Um, well, we, we haven't even talked uh, in that preview about the Monday night games, which are uh, absolutely uh, stellar th- this week as well. Look, this is, you know, I, I could see, you know, both of uh, these teams potentially in, in a, an AFC uh, championship game. I think they have two of the top three quarterbacks in uh, the the league currently who can just make magic happen at any moment and are different in terms of their ability to use their feet to make you know um, the sort of um, make make something out of nothing that that ability. But um, I I don't yet trust the the charges in terms of stopping the run. And I think that uh, is, even though it's not a strength for for the Chiefs, I think having a a weakness like that, it is something that we need to see more. I think also short week going into Arrowhead. And I think in order to become the champion, you need to show that you can beat the champion consistently. Um, The the Chargers could certainly do it. But Sean Payton... Uh, said that Patrick Mahomes was undoubtedly the best quarterback in uh, the, uh, the the league this week. He wouldn't hear any arguments otherwise. I think you could make them. But I'm going to back um, the the September men. Uh, they seem to enjoy playing in the month of September. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes see the Chiefs win this one. Yeah, there's a lot of highlight reels from that Sunday's game for the Chargers against uh, the Raiders, in particular some of the lovely, beautiful uh, passes in which um, the quarterback Herbert did into tight windows and everybody's raving about it. But then I, I did speak to a few Chargers fans this weekend. They weren't overly impressed with the performance. They felt uh, they left the Raiders hanging around like at time. They were quite comprehensive in terms of what the lead was. They allowed the Raiders to come back at them. And the Raiders had the ball at the end to potentially go and win the game. And Derek Carr was, had a very off day, three interceptions, held onto the ball too long. So they weren't glowing about the performance they were delighted they won it's a divisional clash but they raised a lot of concerns about going into this game and on the flip side you look at what the Chiefs did last weekend against an injury ravaged Arizona side but at the same time they put up five touchdowns they look like they were back to what we've were used to seeing so I have to side with the Chiefs as well I think we're in for a great game I think it'll be quite close um, I don't think it'll go over the, the 54 that's out there in the bookmakers and that's quite a an expansive number, I think it'll be under. I think to Matt's point earlier, um, he feels that defense is making on top for large parts of the game. But I see the Chiefs finding a way to win the game. Um, Michael, you've mentioned a couple of times about being Amazon's first game. I am actually fascinated about that. Anytime a new broadcast partner has come into the NFL, it's generally moved the dial in some ways. I've talked on this show a few times about Fox coming in in the mid-90s, how they changed in terms of putting a score up, which we now take as ubiquitous, how they changed uh, multiple angles in terms of like changing the landscape in, and um, bringing over Pat Summerall and John Madden to Fox and everything. So anytime the broadcast landscape changes, it has knock-on effects and interesting resonance in the marketplace. Never more so with this. Like, let's just remember the numbers involved: thirteen billion over eleven years. They're now valuing NFL games under this deal at sixty-seven million dollars per game. 
the numbers are staggering and it reminds everyone that the NFL is the daddy of them all. And if you ever want to, you know, you can criticize Roger Goodell for a lot of things. You can't criticize him for his reaction to COVID, which actually he and the NFL handled pretty superbly to get a season in. And you can't criticize him because he plays chess when the others play checkers. This started in 2006 with the first Thursday night football game. And now they've created a multi, a billion a year, over a billion a year coming in from one game and one new night in the NFL schedule. It's fascinating. They're going to hit Mark, 25 billion. The game They're starts amazing. in two hours. I mean, yeah. like, come on. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. I just wanted to get that off. I didn't get it out much off my chest earlier. When it turned to the game, I mean, I agree with everything the guys say. This is this is a game I'm immensely looking forward to. I'm fascinated to see. And Matt called it out really well. Like the Chargers, there's no way they're going to go in with the same game plan as the cards into on defense. They can't. They also, I would say, especially when you consider the change on the cards, have a far more impressive pass rush. Good old Joey Bosa there could cause the Chiefs' offensive line some fits. But the problem I see for the cards, uh, the Chargers still, and they're not going to be scared of going into our head. They're going to be up for the game. They've got the transcendent uh, Justin Herbert there. But the real problem I still see for them is like, you know, can they get over that hump? Have they got enough speed in the wide receiver position? I keep talking about I still don't think they have. Keenan Allen, uh, we still don't know if he's going to play, likely to be amongst the inactives, but to be declared very shortly. And uh, as well, critical injuries if uh, JC Jackson, who's only 50-50, marked as questionable, doesn't play like he didn't play last week. Um, they're two big losses for them. The Chiefs, just, you know, it was an immense performance, and I do think they'll continue that momentum, especially on a short week. They're going to be excited playing at Arrowhead. I go with the Chiefs, and yes, uh, yay for Amazon, and yay for Game Pass, so we can watch it without having to have Amazon Fire Sticks in Ireland. Ireland, presented by Casty Travel, and check out our Game Pass link in the bio as well. Should have done that at the start. Sorry, lads. This comes down to two elements for me. Uh, first off, uh, can the Chargers find a way to contain Patrick Mahomes? Because there's always times when Patrick Mahomes, under pressure, runs around like a headless chicken, uh, as if he's running out from the pub and is trying to get a taxi home, and he does something incredible. Now, if, if Mac and Joey Bosa can find a way to get to him and put the put the marker down from the very very start of this game and put the pressure on Mahomes who statistically it would be interesting to see how he would cope under pressure at home I don't believe any of this like this short week stuff lads is bollocks these are boys on multi-million dollar deals and the Chargers have barely trained all week they're ready they've been in cotton wool for this they're ready to pop they're ready to rock and roll this is their moment lads this is the night when the Los Angeles Chargers go top of the AFC West and not just because of their defense Justin Herbert is going to turn it on tonight I'll go back to our viral video on Instagram yesterday of Mark saying he was going no it's last week's one I'm going to devour this game I want to devour this game this is this is the game like this game should be in like week 10 you got two of the top four top five quarterbacks in this league probably in three or four years time top two top three quarterbacks in this league if it isn't already now Herbert is unbelievable and tonight's tonight he shows it against Mahomes and the Chiefs and tonight could be the night that the Chargers make a serious claim not only for the AFC West but for the AFC Cajones Chargers I can't pick them for the Super Bowl and the AFC without going them tonight I, I think I think they'll win it but tonight genuinely I really really do Gamble responsible. Yeah. My, 
Michael, I was just going to say, you say it should be week 10. I mean, going by past practice last year, when the game was more important later in the, later in the season, the Chargers should have beaten the Chiefs and end up losing 34-28 the last time they played in overtime, if you remember. So the Chargers still have things to come back on in relation to this. And uh, maybe the fact it's earlier in the season, a bit like how the Raiders beat the Chiefs last year, will actually favor them or help the Chargers a little bit with less pressure on. I, well, I was just going to make the point they played each other in week three in Arrowhead last year and the Chargers won, but the Chiefs still ended up winning the division. It's it's a significant game early in the season. I think more so because they won a divisional game last week. If they can go 2-0 and with two division games, it's a big t- it's a big step, but um, we'll see. Here we go. No PJs tonight. Just, so just, just no. questions to round us off. Uh, there's questions here. Fred's asking my brands not wearing pyjamas. For anyone on the podcast, Brian looked like Spider-Man or Super Mario last week. Declan bucking Broncos going with the Broncos. Well, well, Jared, I, I, I would go, I'd go back to Fred's question in terms of where the Broncos worse. Um, if you go back to, to Fred's oh, when he asked where the worst the Cowboys the and, and uh, the Jets, I would say that was, well, they were the worst coach team in the league last week. That yeah. was absolutely, Mark, I, a field goal has never been made from more than 56 yards at Lumen Field. <laughs> never been made and the Broncos decided in their infinite wisdom that at sea level it's in the name Seattle (laughs) these are billion dollar franchises billion dollar franchises that public that information is out there and they decided they were going to make a kick from 64 yards eight yards longer than had ever been made at Lumen Field before it it Nathaniel Hackett needs to start winning soon because that could become an albatross around his neck. Okay, can I make a point on this? Okay, as well? but Colin, I, I want to say the Broncos didn't give up a single point on defense in the second half. The Cowboys and the Jets can't say that. Therefore, I wouldn't put them hmm. in the same category. Brian, I know you've got a point. To... Well, this is actually just on that game. Okay, so I don't. I know we have questions, but um, I listened to another podcast today. They made a great point. When has field goal range become? It is manageable field goals and then there's unmanageable field goals and now all of a sudden the league the head coach are working on a situation where let's just get into a zone for a field goal as opposed to getting into the right zone for a field goal and he said prior to that uh, drive that he said if we get to the 46 we're going for a field goal how about working on the circumstances around where you were at the time and just maybe not go with what you originally thought seven seven plays earlier in the game it, it was it was a bad badly coached game throughout the course of the night it, and it's all the focus around the field goal. I felt overall it was a, I wouldn't say it was a disaster from the start, but it's, you can't be losing those games in a division where it's, we're talking about the best division in football and they're losing in Seattle. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I'll just put the final comment in it and we will move on because I'm going to click the button right now. Um, if Brian Dable hadn't went, or if he, went, if he had went for it and didn't get it, if Zach Taylor had a wised up, there's so many different things. We'll talk about it on. <laughs> Um, I, I'll challenge you on that sorry Michael the difference no, is Airhead no. Airhead Airhead coach I have to go back to is, work no Airhead coach is not expected to win many games this year he's playing with house money if we had a, went for two and lost Giants fans still would have been you impressed with the performance fuming. you would have been fuming you would have been raging right. great call out Michael it was a great comment from Jera there on the screen one yes. of his perks of shift work is he gets paid to watch the game Me too. tonight you came later Good man, Ger. I don't know what you do, but you got it sorted, mate. Uh, right, David Connolly. Great content, lads. Keep it going. And then I said back, thanks, hi. Uh, 
Al de Brun. Looking forward to watch Richard Sherman and Fitzmagic. So am I. The time this thing's over, the pregame will be over at this point. Owen Healy, who I think is a Chargers fan, even lads in the middle of a job at the moment. So it was a quick hello. Said, go Bolts. Bolts? Bolts or Bolts? Bolts. 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 Right, okay. Uh, Keenan Allen is a huge loss, especially in third down. Hopefully, Derwin uh, locks up Kelsey and Jesse. If he. he, That's what I was going to say. Jesse Jackson, as it stands right now, is warming up for the Chargers. So there you go. Uh, greetings, enjoying the show. Go balls! And Brian Carville says Rogers sacked as much as feels. Is he talking about Brandon Rogers or Aaron Rogers? We'll never know. Um, we're back tomorrow night at um, Mark. We're back at half nine tomorrow night. Yeah, not ten <laughs> o'clock. So we can publicly tell everyone that Mark forgot what time we were on it last week. Uh, gonna be a good crack. If you're watching the game tonight, enjoy the game. It's gonna be an absolute serious, serious belter of a game and look you know we've got two quarterbacks going up against each other tonight boys and they've been training all week they haven't missed any training practices for no reasons unlike some quarterbacks in the league which we'll talk about tomorrow night looking forward to it uh, here are our picks and we are signing off uh, see you good luck <laughs>